Welcome to The Bible Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cato with two more weeks of sabbatical from St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. I'm Zach Paris, uh, coming to you live. I've got a view of the Asheville Music Hall, right from where I sit, Matt, from high above the city. I can look down and see the one stop, uh, home to downtown Asheville, home to many excellent music venues. Some would say perhaps the greatest music venues in the world are right here. Wow, in the world. That's what they're saying. We've got this new uh, thing called the Rhombus, this new venue called the Rhombus. <laughs> And it just has, it's got, it's a video immersive experience. It has four screens. <laughs> so that's cool. pretty exciting. They're projected like uh, old school, like middle school math teacher projector kind of deals. Uh, it's just really immersive. It just changes your life forever, they say. Wow. Wow. That sounds amazing. The rhombus. <laughs> the rhombus. <laughs> well, Zach, I did not, uh, I did not go to the rhombus, but I did go to the sphere in Las Vegas. Everybody's sphere. talking about it. <laughs> they are they're talking about and it. by and by everybody i mean uh you know places trying to promote this new venue in las vegas nevada um here's here's my first takeaway vegas is weird <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a super super weird place uh we stayed on the strip uh across the street from where the venue is at the venetian uh we stayed at treasure island which uh, then I did a deep dive of that on Wikipedia. Like the grocery store? Uh, yeah, like the grocery store. There's a grocery store in the basement. I was pretty bummed because I remember going to Vegas 10 years ago uh, and the and Treasure Island had a a show outside where there was like there was like a ship Ooh. and then there were like, you know, they'd fire cannons and there was like a whole little whole little uh, show whole, you could watch on the street. You know, I was like we're going to fly there to death kind of thing. Yeah, I was so excited to to live out this this flag means death, and uh, apparently they've shuttered that since since mm. then. <laughs> very very disappointing, but they did not shutter the sphere, which uh, you can see from everywhere. It's uh, the thing is huge. Uh, it is it is lit up during the day and at night. Uh, lots of what's on this thing. Well, uh, uh, my spouse's first reaction was watching. We were watching these these jellyfish take over the sphere as if it was like an aquarium. Ooh. And she says, uh, so it's a building that's also a screensaver. <laughs> I don't know if that was in their promotional materials, but that was her takeaway. There's basically it a screensaver. It some flying toasters on it, right? <laughs> yeah, some flying toasters. Yeah, it's just a spherical shaped uh, screensaver. So um, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's fun. Um, but we did get inside. We did get inside to see to see you too. Uh, before before I get to that, let me just say two, uh, one. Okay, so uh, first first takeaway from this weekend. Uh, in my normal life, Zach, in my normal everyday life, I know very very few people that care at all about YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know maybe three people that would be like, mm -hmm. yeah 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 oh yeah YouTube like we could have a whole conversation about YouTube. Really love YouTube. Um, there are three people that will not, the first thing they say to me, make a joke about how uh, this album got downloaded onto their phone uh, not, uh, like eight <laughs> years ago. Um, you know, just not very many people, right? Well, I get to I get to Vegas and the place is just packed with people in U2 t-shirts, U2 tattoos, uh, all excited to see U2. I'm just surrounded by U2 fans. I'm on a U2 planet. 
It was it was so trippy to be to be in that kind of a space. It was so trippy, Zach. It was so trippy because again, the contrast with my everyday life, where nobody gives a shit about this, <laughs> to <laughs> wow, everybody is so excited to see this band that's been around for half a century. Uh, that was pretty extraordinary, even before we got into the concert. Incredible, Matt. You're with your people. I'm with like my it. people. Uh, besides the sphere, they also had something called Zoo Station, a pop-up experience, uh, which <laughs> which turned out to be a series of photo ops where you could take pictures uh, or little GIF GIF size videos. Um, we did a GIF size video of us like like you could be the band on a B stage. Yeah, and we're we're standing in line. We're standing in line. I just want to give you the backstory. We're standing in line, and Chris says, "I'm not doing that." Uh, you're going to do this by yourself. I'll take your picture. Uh, you're going to, and then we get closer and closer. She's like, I'm going to have to do this, aren't I? I'm definitely. Gonna. And then uh, 10 seconds after that, she's playing the drums. She's playing the drums. Uh, and I you thought know. it was the real drummer. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Uh, so, uh, yep. I owe my wife big time. She definitely had patience for all of my photo shoots uh, in the zoo station. So that was fun. And then of course there was a second merch tent in zoo station. So, you know, that's pretty, pretty great stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, just merch, uh, merch everywhere. So, and then uh, we go to the sphere on Friday night. It's Friday the 13th. We're the sphere. I've done, done all my research. Uh, we're lining up. The getting into this thing is like, it's like going on. It, it feels like you're on a Tron ride, which I have not been on the Tron ride, Disney, mm. Disney world, but that's what it looks like. It would be to me like these blue lights everywhere. You just like, it's futuristic. Where are we going? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that was, it's already sort of giving you these vibes. Um, And then you get inside and if you, I don't want to give like all the spoilers for the show, but uh, fast forward, like one minute, (laughs) dear listener, if you don't want any spoilers, but they did a good recap of this on you talking to you too to me, but they like, they had constructed the screen I mean, the, the image on the screen, it looked as if we were in like a brick building, like a concrete mm-hmm. building. And it was like, that's just what it looked like. And then, yeah. and then the band starts to come out and uh, it's like there's jackhammering through the concrete. And the <laughs> light starts to come out as they like start, as the band's coming out. So you're already excited because your band's, you know, like they're walking out on stage. You got all that stuff and like the concrete there's drilling through the screen is coming apart. The lights coming through incredible stuff. Uh, Chris captured a picture of me in that moment, taking in the spectacle, enjoying every second of it. Uh, so, so cool. Uh, and they just did an amazing job of playing with the, the, the giant canvas uh, that was the sphere. Uh, lots of amazing uh, just images. They clearly hired some really cool artists to do just some creative stuff. Um, and then also at one point they they made the sphere disappear as it were, so that it looks like you're like looking at Vegas, like it's behind That's you, fun. like exactly what would be behind the screen. And because the resolution is so good, like it almost tricks your brain because it really does look super cool. But then what I did not expect, I'd sort of see, I'd heard that they were going to do that, but then what I did expect was that then they like reverse built Vegas, so they deconstructed Vegas as if it's all getting like taken um. down, and then you're in the desert. And then they play some Joshua Tree songs, like <laughs> as if you're in the desert. And it's like, I'm like, it's like I'm having a live performance of Streets uh, while in the desert, uh, which is just just super cool. Um, so they just, yeah, they did an amazing job of playing with that. Um, there were people around us that got up during the slow songs uh, to go get a beer, and I judged them very harshly. 
because uh, I did not move. Uh, yeah. Which, which was my only critique, uh, which is that uh, my mom was like, was it the best U2 show you've ever seen? And my answer is no. It had some uh, definite highlights, some definite peaks, uh, but mm-hmm. the best U2 show I'd ever seen uh, were the seats where I'm in, were the, were the times I'm in uh, general admission and I'm on the floor. And the best one was probably yeah. the elevation tour where you're inside the stage. You're like inside this heart, yeah. uh, which I could go into. But there's something really, uh, I, don't, I don't know, you're just sort of in a, in a different kind of way uh, there. So I still, I still miss my GA experience and I look forward to them. Uh, mm-hmm. coming there's back a to my GA town. section at the sphere. There, there is a GA section. Uh, I there didn't is, get huh? those tickets. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is, there is one, <clears throat> but I didn't get those tickets in the lottery, the fan club lottery. Um, but, uh, consolation prize, you get a great view of the, the screen, which is the unique thing about this tour. So I'm grateful for that. Um, so not a big critique, but just, uh, you know, it's an interesting like interplay between here's the giant screen and all the artwork and this tiny band down there and, uh, and getting close to the actual, the actual band. So yeah, that was my experience of the sphere and, uh, seeing you too. How was, I've heard a lot about the sound, Matt. Um, Oh yeah. Did I tell you about this already or you're just asking? No, no, I'm sincerely asking. Yeah. So here's my, yeah, that was something I was going to say and I completely forgot about it. Um, so I, during the, the loud rock songs, I mean, to me, like it's just, it's a loud rock concert, which is right. it's great. Right. Um, but where it really came out for me was when they do like an acoustic set in the middle of it. And I just got his acoustic guitar and that was like, it was like, I'm standing in front of him with the clearest, like acoustic guitar sound I've ever heard. Like, so it was like the quiet songs, um, the acoustic songs, where it was where it was really noticeable that you're like, "Wow, the sound is incredible." So pretty similar to Post Malone at Coachella. Pretty similar to Post Malone at Coachella. So clearly Edge had rehearsed uh, and had plugged in his guitar to make <laughs> sure that the, it went with a hard line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks, Edge, for thinking of the thinking of the, the details. <laughs> Well, I'm very happy for you, Matt. Uh, excited to see more pictures uh, once you get them onto the social uh, internet. Like I assume. I don't. I don't know. I'm like. I'm like trying to figure out which pictures to post because I don't want to spoil oh. it for people that are going and want to be yeah. uh, want to be surprised. But mm. yeah, yeah, just definitely some some amazing visuals. Uh, the, the other thing I'll say. Can I say one more thing, or do you have more questions? I'd like to hear the other thing you have to say. I also appreciate as somebody that's followed this band for a long time and has like tracked the trajectory of their career and the peaks and valleys, right? Where you have like, you've got, you know, the, all the you can't leave behind another, they put another classic album in a third decade. That's amazing. Uh, they even get out of the year 2004. And then it seems like the thing they become known for is putting their phone on your eye, putting their album on your iPhone. And mm-hmm. it's such a bummer because it's like the first line in any story about you two for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like with this fear story, uh, is it's like a new, it's like a new thing to talk about. Uh, that I don't good. know if it will. I don't know that it's going to eclipse all the other things, but it's kind of like they're adding a new chapter to their story that is uh, that people seem to be excited about. They're like, yeah, yeah, this show is really great. Like that's that's what I've heard from other people. That's what I've seen. Uh, people seem to enjoy it, even though Vegas is weird. People are like, yeah, YouTube is really great. This is a really cool experience. You should definitely go see it. So I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> that we have another chapter in this band's life that it doesn't end with the iPhone debacle. I mean, I think the good news for you, Matt, going forward, I think the iPhone story is going to fade on its own because there are people today who have a phone who've never had music on their phone. <laughs> like, 
why wouldn't YouTube be on my phone? I have every song ever recorded on my phone. <laughs> right. So uh, the boomers will hold on to that for a while. Um, I thought of you on Sunday, Matt. I was listening to uh, a little audio, um, a little audio podcast. What does podcast stand for again? Episode cast uh, from a little publication that I like to call uh, the Old Gray Lady, uh, the uh, the paper of record, the New York Times. Their Sunday read. Uh, in podcast form was on the Italian band that we've talked about before. Uh, who evidently I've been saying wrong, but I don't remember how they said it right. Uh, they're Italian, but the name is da- uh, Danish. Uh, Monskin. Monskin? Mm. Monskin? And it yeah. was essentially a rock and roll is dead article that was pretty good, right? In the, in the, I think the headline that got me on the podcast was, is Monskin the last great rock band? Mm. Uh, and so I, I, I don't know. Because uh, they were talking about um, the, the guy wrote it, uh, writes for uh, Rolling Stone sometimes, uh, and he went to Rome to to a monastery to to do an interview and stuff with with Monskin and uh, watch them perform in the Olympic Stadium in Rome. And uh, one of the the things that was interesting, a little note, was that there was the opener was a DJ. The opener wasn't a rock band, and he was like partially because there aren't any young rock and roll bands. <laughs> Wow. Right? And so I thought of, this is not derogatory, Matt, just observing the world. Uh, mm. I thought of you two uh, being the hot, I mean, the, the sphere thing's totally hot, right? Like everybody's mm-hmm. it's making waves. It's a big, um, big uh, newsmaker in, in the popular culture. Uh, perhaps a high watermark in notability in pop culture for, for what you might call rock and roll. So Matt, do you have any thoughts? Is rock and roll dead? Where you and all the old people out there working together. Rock and roll will never die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my show also opened with a DJ. Uh, they've got a DJ for their opener uh, who plays from a, in a little Trabant car that's uh, like one of those little ger- German Trabant cars that's mm-hmm. covered in neon. It's like a little DJ set before the show that's pretty fun. Um, yeah, I mean uh, – Sure, in the way that it that it always has been, but I guess I guess it's also I think I don't know. I haven't read that particular article. The article that I read uh, from the New York Times was a long piece that Chris sent me about Usher, <laughs> who is also doing a Vegas residency. That's really hot. Uh, oh yeah, it was like, but the whole story was about like, the, yeah, right. And he's gonna play the Super Bowl. But then with the premise of question of that article was like, can Usher save R and B? Because like R and B is not. Uh, reigning the pop mm. charts uh, like no. it used to, and also Usher, like his big album was Confessions in like 2004, which I thought Usher was just like was in college school because he's younger than me, I guess. I don't know, but it's like, but the questions were like, how do you st- how do you keep going? You know, and you're in your second, third decade. Usher's been around since the 90s. You know, like okay. how do you how do you continue to write new acts? And I was like, yeah, those are the same questions that like older bands have been asking for a long time. Um, but also just the fragmentation of like, okay, so rock and roll is dead. Is R&B also dead? What's actually alive right now? Like, I, I just, I think there's like a, I, yeah, I guess that's my question. Oh, maybe all these things are dead. What's, what's actually alive? What's alive right now? <laughs> I like it. I think there's like a, just a massive fragmentation, right? So like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think there are plenty, there are, there are plenty of rock bands out there. Are they ruling the world like they used to? No. 
Probably not. <laughs> but, you know. But they did, Matt. They used to rule the world. Everybody wants to rule the world. The last years. rock, uh, the last, technically, last rock song to hit number one on the Billboard charts, Matt. Uh, do you? I don't know. know what it is? No. Any guesses? Uh, I'm going to say Kings of Leon. <laughs> I think it's before that. It goes back to a little song, out of, a little band out of Canada called Nickelback. Uh, no way. That's not yep. true. <laughs> this is how you remind me. Uh, it was the last Billboard number one that was a rock song. I can't believe that counts as a rock star. Hey. Hey. Uh, you, I'll send you a link. You got to listen to it. We'll talk about it. Um because I get some interesting stuff too about how Monskin was not formed in a traditional rock sort of like culture, or like with mm-hmm. the background of a lot of other rock bands and stuff. So interesting. Pretty neat. <coughs> I mean, as <clears throat> part of the question too, like, does it need to be popular in order for it to count as rock? Like, is that part and parcel mm-hmm. of the idea of rock and roll is that it's got to be popular enough that it's that it's on the charts, right? Because I think this is also like a weird ongoing question with a band like you two that like, I feel like does their best work when they're not that worried about the charts, but they seem to be really concerned about like continuing to put out a song that's on the radio. It's like, that's, I don't, I don't know if that's something you got to strive for at a certain point, but I don't know. Oh, well that gets to the crux of the article that uh, you mm. haven't read or listened to Matt. That, that <laughs> they argue, right. That like a part of what, rock's problem is that it's always been a, a reactionary thing right a rejection of of uh your rebellion against something right rock has always rebelled against something and so um yeah i think that's an it's a which to me would say not worried about the the charts because you always don't want to sell out and stuff right that's mm-hmm. the real thing right like the that the worst thing you can do in rock and roll is sell out right which is why the critique youtube's uh iphone stuff like sticks i think right is is not just like oh it's funny it happened to everybody but there's like the subliminal like what a bunch of sellouts that they like are so sold out they do this right like um and not that you two i think is particularly worried about being known as sellouts (laughs) um but like that's the worst thing that could happen to you if you were like a super legit like indie band Mm -hmm. um and so um yeah and so maybe that's a part of why there hasn't been a popular uh, a rock single in 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's been like an ongoing conversation um, for the last, for the last 20 years. I remember, I don't know if YouTube brought this up in interviews or what, but like that hip hop does not have that concern about like being sellouts. Like, yeah. like it's just not a concern. Like, what are you talking about? Like what, what a weird question to have. Like the point is to succeed. Like, <laughs> And that's where they get with Monskin, like, didn't, they, there's not like the, that's sort of like, they didn't come up, Italy isn't known for its indie rock scene, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so they, they don't feel that at all, right? They're yeah. just, a, they're complete sellouts, right? But they don't like yeah. care, because, right. yeah, yeah. Why would you care about them? Yeah. If you're 23. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's lesson the church can learn that <laughs> well the lesson that church can can learn uh you're welcome by the way for my coughing i was so so diehard singing along to you too this weekend that i made myself sick again 
Uh, but reading about Octung Baby and just kind of diving into that time again and what a reinvention uh, it was for them in that moment, which has been, um, you know, a story that's probably been told into the ground. But I, I just, you know, going into it, that Joshua Tree to Octung Baby transition, um, they talk about as giving them like that was the thing that allowed their band to continue beyond that moment because they didn't have to be just a one note band. They could actually do different things. Um, and so. As just yeah, it's got me thinking a lot about what does reinvention look like. How do you how do you uh, reset it uh, and start again? I don't know if the church can do that. We'll see, but uh, that's probably what needs to happen. Can you can you do a complete reboot? Control Alt Delete, Matt. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Control Alt Delete. I did uh, one note that that our listeners may enjoy and you will enjoy, Matt. I was driving through uh, rural South Carolina a couple weeks ago en route to a. Uh, a foosball game and uh, the vinyl spouse and I are blown away by how many churches there are here. (laughs) (laughs) Just every block, you're like church, church. Oh, there's three blocks, three churches on that block, church, church, church. Uh, And uh, we sometimes see some interestingly named churches. Right. Uh, And uh, you know, there's the whole like wave of like the, like sort of ascents elevates that, that sort of like singular buzzword before church. Um, and I came across one that tried to go that way. I don't think they succeeded. And it was called Overcome Church. Overcome Church. And I said, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> Done did it. Done did it. Oh, wow. wow. So really bold. Name your church. Get over this church. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I appreciate your reports from Christendom out there. Yeah, it is definitely Christendom. It's crazy how different it is. <sighs> but, Matt, not everybody's overcome church. So some people might be going to church. Some people might be having to uh, preach at church this week. Some people might. Not us. Not us. <laughs> Just yet. <laughs> Uh, but I will be soon and very soon. So I guess I better get these muscles mm-hmm. exercised once again. Right. Uh, what have we got here? This is October 23rd, 2023. Uh, Isaiah 45. Still got the prophets here. Isaiah 45, 1 to 7. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and strip kings of their robes, to open doors before him and the gates shall not be closed. I will go before you and level the mountains. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and riches hidden in secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I surname you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I arm you, though you do not know me so that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make weal and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Well, man, another, uh, it's kind of like you're getting songs. That's what I'm feeling. Like every week we're getting these little Isaiah songs, like a little Isaiah playlist, working our way through this, these weeks. This is mostly good news, by the way. 
Good news. How's the good news? Uh, you know, they're breaking in pieces the doors of bronze. They're cutting through mm. the bars of iron. Uh, how about this? How about this? I will give you the treasures of darkness if you're looking for a verse to cut through the dark light uh, dichotomy of good and evil. I'm going to give you the promise here. I will give you the treasures of darkness. What are the treasures of darkness? Uh, and riches hidden in secret places. But again, uh, perhaps a point towards you don't need to be afraid of the dark. There might be good things. God is dwelling there in the mystery that is uh, the dark. Um, I guess it just means it's exilic, so they are in exile and needing to hear some good news. Uh, gosh, you get both. I form light and create darkness. I make wheel and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Uh, so pretty expansive image of God here. Uh, as we talk about light and dark and thinking about the sphere, Matt, I wonder um, what the church, what church architecture can learn from the sphere, uh, right? Like, you know, you go to a certain period of time and uh, the church is responsible for most of the architectural wonders of the world. Uh, and these days, it's just you two uh, who's carrying the architectural weight of the world. Um and uh yeah what would church sphere look like what would church sphere, sphere look church like look like you oh, get people man. to come just to look at the sphere just to look at the sphere yeah <laughs> well i think it's like it's a different kind of stained glass right i mean this has always been part of church like how do you tell the story with visuals uh so yeah i've never been one to shy away from from screens i want to use them differently there's different ways you could use them, uh, but nothing wrong with some good visual art. I think so, man. I think so. <laughs> I will say this passage too. Um, the it begins with "Thus says the Lord to His anointed, to Cyrus." Uh, and the thing about Cyrus, if I remember correctly from my manna and mercy days, is that Cyrus is not a Jewish king; that he's this uh, well, like a Babylonian king that ends up uh, liberating the Jews and starting a new positive chapter for them, even though he is not within their particular tribe. Um, I wanted to double check that work. And so I Googled Cyrus Bible. Do you know what the picture came up? Picture of Donald Trump. That's what, uh, that's oh. what came up. So uh, this has also been something in, uh, I don't know, in Christian conversations these last five years. I really don't know that I want to have that conversation, but uh, that's been a whole thing that, um, you know, and maybe this will tie into the gospel, but the idea that monarchs serve their purpose um, or that can serve God's purposes, even if they're not, uh, I don't know, part of our tribe or whatever. I don't know if that was uh, very helpfully applied over the last several years of American history, but that is something that is happening in this text. This idea that Cyrus is uh, kind of, is he's an outsider and yet God, because God has God's power, which is what the rest of the passage is about, mm -hmm. God uses Cyrus to do these amazing things. CTG, Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great. Well, Matt, before I move on, I would just like to say I would like to attend a Meow Wolf Church. If you could do <laughs> church in the style of Meow Wolf, in an immersive experiential art exhibit uh, with lots of neon and black lights. That was, Sign that was me up. My biggest regret. You know, I didn't think I was going to need that much time in Vegas. I was like, I can go for 24 hours. I'm only there to see you two. And then we got there and I realized there's a Meow Wolf uh, mm. in Vegas. I was like, oh, we don't have time for it. Oh, 
I actually do have a reason to come to Vegas and check something out. See? See? I've only been to Santa Fe. I never, I didn't make it to the one in Denver. So mm, there's one in Denver too. There's one in Denver too now. Wow. Well, Matt, uh, this is the gospel this week, an old one that I feel like I've gone pretty deep in. And I don't know if I got anything new. Let's see if I can find something new. Uh, the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus and what he said. And so they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one for you do not regard people with partiality. But tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, who was aware of their malice, because they could really get him here, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for tax. And they brought him into Denarius. And he said to them, Whose head is this? And whose title? And they answered, The emperor's. And then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Uh, the gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. So there's a lot going on here, right? Uh, so a coin, a denarius, a denarii, uh, is the coin of the empire that you need to use to pay taxes. The issue is that it's got a picture of Caesar on it, uh, who is the emperor, and under it it says son of God. Uh, so for uh, Jews who were particularly interested in keeping the law like the Pharisees, uh, that becomes a graven image, an idol, uh, and is against the law. And so Jesus catches them here uh, in possession of an idol breaking the Torah, uh, which, so that's the big gotcha that happens here. Uh, the Pharisees, the Herodians, they want to catch Jesus here because, as will play out here soon, um, the Pharisees don't have the power or the ability to put anybody to death. Uh, but uh, King Herod sure does, uh, and he's pretty good at it. And so if they can catch Jesus saying, don't pay the ta pay taxes, uh, the emperor is not for real. You don't got to respect the emperor. Quick, quick express route to uh, death row there for Jesus and not the record company, Matt, uh, to uh, the cross is where he's going to be headed. Uh, and it's not yet for Jesus, but that's what's going on there. Yeah, it's a it's a slick move by Jesus here. <laughs> to avoid this, uh... they think they done got him. If I was them, I would have been like, "Nope, don't have a denarius." That's where they messed up. That's they were so excited to get him that they slipped up and were like, "Hey, look at this! I broke the law." <laughs> the other flip at the end, right? Is it? It sounds like it's class of Jesus and that it sounds like really clear instructions, but it's actually like impossible to follow um, mm -hmm. no matter how you read it. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. If you're of the opinion, the kind of pretty flat literal reading of it, that some things are Caesar, some things are God's, then you got to go through it and sort it all out and figure out what's what. And that's not really possible. And you'll likely come to the conclusion that all things belong to God, which is that thrust of the Isaiah we heard today. And in that case, you're not giving nothing to Caesar, uh, which ends us up, we're back in hot water with Herod and the Herodians. Uh, so what do you actually do with this? Whew, I don't know. It's a hard, hard teaching. Yeah, it is a, it is a hard teaching. It's, it's also, I mean, yeah, like you said, how far do you carry this? Um, 
is one of those stories that makes it really clear that Jesus is not writing systematic theology, that Jesus is like living life, living in the midst of a story, uh, bobbing and weaving, uh, sliding his way through some of these things. Um, and that's not to say that like the things that he's saying are meaningless, but he's not, he's not giving you everything. He's given you a little bit uh, to go on. Uh, that's open to a heck of a lot of interpretation here. Um, and uh, yeah, that's just, that's really interesting. It doesn't, it just doesn't seem like Jesus. It's one of those terms where it doesn't seem like Jesus is coming in with uh here's, here's my whole manifesto, <laughs> but it's, it's more, uh, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> did yeah, I just, did did you, did some sort of physical action that caused fireworks to happen within I don't know what happened. that we <laughs> used. How did I do that? I don't know what happened. My screen just exploded with fireworks. I don't know what happened. I don't know um, how it happened. That, that is super weird. Excellent point you made, Matt. Did, did, you, uh, do that? <laughs> did you do that no, on I your didn't. end? No, I can't do it. I can't make it happen here. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> this just record, recognized the depth of the point you were making. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, divine recognition here. Uh, I'm glad it wasn't locusts instead. So anyway, uh, what was my point there? The point is, uh, it's not a it's not a fully developed manifesto with a whole systematic theology attached to it. Jesus is giving you one little piece, and then you're gonna have to do something with it. Um, but he didn't give you everything, and it seems like there's plenty of freedom here too to take it the way that uh, yeah you might take it. The Rhodians get to hear what they want to hear. The Pharisees hear what they hear. It's a uh, complex, and yet I think if I got to flip it towards good news, um, it's um, the it's it's good news that Jesus is really enmeshed in the the difficult, conflicting realities of the world in which we live, mm. um, and that even though, you know, I think I'd, I'd want to make the point that like Jesus kind of does his judo almost Jedi mind trick out of this situation that's sticky. Um, I don't think that's the good news, right? That like you're going to be able to get out of these difficult situations. Um, but, but it recognizes one that they are difficult uh, and that God is somewhere trusting mm-hmm. like, that God is in the darkness, that there are treasures in the darkness mm-hmm. um, and that the, the way to resolve sticky situations, complex, complicated situations that might be an allusion to world affairs is not to pretend they don't exist or to come up with a clear answer, but to dive more deeply into them, trusting that that is what God is doing as well. Amen. Amen. Bang. You're welcome. Well, what are we listening to while we preach that good news? Well, Matt, there are lots of good songs about money and coins. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go with a classic, uh, a new classic for us, uh, The High Women's Loose Change. Uh, I don't want to be rolling around in your pocket like loose change, like some loose denarii that you're just going to throw out there and show to Jesus and condemn yourself Uh more valuable than that. Then uh, a classic Iron and Wine song that'll give you good vibes and stuff. It actually fits. It has to do with the complexity of the world. And uh, it's a boy with a coin in his pocket uh, who thinks that God has created the world and left because it's so uh, messed up, the world that we're living in. Uh, and it's just a good, musically good song. Boy with a coin, iron and wine. And finally, I will always remember I was driving around in high school 
with my then um, my uh, girlfriend at the time, uh, who's now my ex girlfriend. She's <laughs> she's my wife, um, which technically makes her an ex girlfriend and ex fiance. Uh, and this song came on the radio. We'd never heard it before, and we thought it was the most insane thing we'd ever heard. And it was the Flying Lizards cover of an old Motown song uh, called Money. I want the money. It's what I need. Your love is nice, but it doesn't pay the bills. Uh, and uh, it's about how they want money. And uh, I think this text, you know, I think there's a practical thing, uh, element to it here, right? Like money's important and real. You got to pay taxes uh, or Caesar's going to be real mad with you. Uh, so Caesar says, I want the money. It's what I need. So, uh, also, we didn't even get into how complex this text would be if you're reading it in the middle of your fall stewardship campaign, because uh, Jesus also could be said being said. Uh, you could hear Jesus saying, "Money's not important. Don't worry about it." Uh, so, Doctor, heal thyself, Matt. What are you listening to this week? Yeah, well, of course, uh, I'm still basking in the U2 afterglow. So I'll start with the U2 song, even better than the real thing, which had some of the best visuals uh, of the night. Mm -hmm. But it's also a song about uh, artifice versus authenticity, which is uh, maybe somewhere in here trying to figure out uh, the meaning of the emperor's coin and uh, what matters. So we'll throw that on. Maybe it fits somehow. Um, and then, Zach, I was thinking, you know who would be a really great artist to see at the Sphere is uh, Gorillaz, a band that yeah. we saw at Coachella. Because yeah. they are so visuals heavy. Now they're great musically. Like they actually had musicians on stage, which we thoroughly enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But because they are also just have like visuals are so central to who they are, I feel like they'd be a really great sphere artist. That would be good. That yeah. would be good. Yeah. So I'll throw on New Gold because uh, got gold in the title. Uh, New Gold from uh, their latest album. New Gold. Uh, uh, for some reason, I was listening to a lot of In Excess because it has that octane baby sound, that early '90s. Uh, sound too. So I'm going to throw on Mystify, which is what Jesus does to these Pharisees. <laughs> and then uh, finally, Zach uh, kept getting alerts on my Spotify that Boy Genius has a new EP. Only four songs, 12 minutes. Uh, but uh, it's good. I, I enjoyed it. And I really mm -hmm. like the song Afraid of Heights uh, that I was listening to this morning. So I'm just going to throw it on the playlist. I feel That's like they're going to stay together, Matt. Like, I think, you, you I think, think they're so? a band now. I feel, That's how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I know you don't have to be a band now the way you used to have to like, like it was a big deal, like to do solo projects mm -hmm. and stuff. But like, yeah, I feel like that's that there's less restriction on going off to do your own thing like these right. days. Cause you can just do it in an afternoon and put it on Spotify that day, you yep. know, like, so yeah, I think they'll be around for a while. Um, I hope I'm glad they exist. A little bonus up uh, of, of the podcast here, Matt. Uh, I think it's time for another edition of NBA Jam. I got to get some sound effects for like he's on fire uh, because, Matt, the NBA basketball season is starting this week. Did you know mm -hmm. this? Yeah, I like well, I drove. Yeah, I did. Yes. It's too early. It's too early for the NBA season to start. Usually it's like Halloween, but uh... – it's like a few yeah, weeks early. There's no need for NBA in October. There's just no need. I don't need it in November, actually. Like, we could start December 1, and I'm... Is it because you're still so focused on baseball? You're just still in the baseball playoffs. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Baseball's terrible, Matt. <laughs> terrible. What a terrible sport. Um, like, who cares? It's going to be like the Phillies and the Rangers. Like, who? Mm. 
I couldn't, I was ready. I don't understand. Okay. Here's my baseball rant. All right, Matt. Like I didn't watch hardly. I mean, I watched next to no baseball all regular season. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you turn it on in the playoffs and it's like, this was really exciting. High stakes. This is tense and intense. Right. Um, and I'm like into it and I'm ready for my beloved, uh, Dodgers who I've loved since I was a small boy. Yeah. Uh, and they only got to play three games. Um, they lost yeah. all of them. Also, the game started at like 1030 East Coast. So that was pretty awful. Uh, and they're out. It's over immediately. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I've been ready to like reclaim my my Florida Marlins fandom because uh, I was into them when I was a kid. Right. And uh, they made the playoffs and they played two games. Uh, and that was over. I want to be able to watch. Uh, there needs to be more games that matter because all the games don't matter at all. Uh, yeah, it's like playoff hockey is really great. Why not? Why, why not just do the playoffs? Like, why? Why do you want me to watch this other stuff? It's not this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's really a. <laughs> it's really tough. The regular season doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I was super bummed uh, about those Dodgers going out too. It was, it was rough. I, I don't know if that happens more often in baseball or what? Like, I just, I don't really understand it. Cause it seems like, I mean, teams get upset in basketball all the time. It just seems like <laughs> that kind of, we had the best record and then we got swept in the first round. Just doesn't like, you just go ice cold. doesn't seem to happen. In a five game series. Yeah. Yeah. In a five game series. Like it just, it's, it just seems much rarer. <laughs> what if we just played three games that mattered. <laughs> <sighs> it's like, so I wonder if Matt, the American public is coming back around to be a little, we've been so pro playoff. Like that's what's wrong with anything. Like that was what was wrong with college football forever. There's no playoff. Hmm. You need a playoff. Um, and that's, what's wrong with, with international soccer and stuff, right? Like the English premier league, you know, none of the domestic leagues in Europe have a playoff. Like the team that wins the league wins. So the games matter <laughs> because you have to win them in order to win, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, right. But like the nugs, what I'm who I'm excited for, the regular season not going to matter at all to them, right? Like they're going to make the playoffs, and then 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 things will really matter. But until then, it doesn't really matter. Which is why Matt, uh, as we continue NBA jams on the Vinyl Preacher, uh, I'm a, a very casual NFL fan, right? And uh, there are about three teams that I can get into, right? The Carolina Panthers the Denver Broncos and the Chicago bears. And they're all terrible right now, Matt. Um, yeah. And I don't have to work on Sundays anymore. And so I thought I'd enjoy watching them on TV, but they're all so bad. Yeah. I have no interest in watching it. Right. They're all done. Like they're, none of them mm -hmm. are going to make the playoffs or anything. Right. We need a, like a, we need a, a second tier of the NFL. Cause I just want the bad teams to play each other. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't care about them winning the Super Bowl, Right. But just, I want them to play competitive games where where it'd be entertaining to watch sure so i'm i'm proposing closed system we don't gotta do the whole pyramid right but like a first division of the nfl and a second division so all the bad teams can play each other and maybe get maybe you get to move up get let's, let's set reasonable goals maybe they'll get to move up to play with the big boys the next year uh you know let's give everybody something to to watch relegation you want to relegate my beloved chicago bears I, just, I think that'd be good for them and for the city. <laughs> they get to play games, city of, win games. The, the city of Arlington Heights, the village. City, yeah. the village. Yes, the Arlington, be good for the village. Arlington Heights Bears.
<sighs> well, that's another episode of NBA Jam. <laughs> Good up. Good up. Good up. Well, well it's man. been real, Zach. It's been real. Real vinyl. Ooh.